Hi everyone, welcome. Uh, I'm George Ruder, that's Ben Allen. We are here at Zion Fellowship in Canandaigua, New York. We are a life-giving local church. On this special episode, we're going to talk about Bible literacy, what it is, and why we care about it. Well, I'm George Ruder. I'm one of the leaders here at Zion Fellowship. I've been here 22 years with my wife. We have six children, three grandchildren. Uh, most of what I do here, I get to teach from time to time, uh, Bible classes, things like that. I've worked with teenagers and young adults. Uh, that's most of what I do. Ben? Yeah, my name is Benjamin Allen. I'm 30 years old, and I went to the University at Buffalo for psychology, and I became a believer July 4, 2012, which was kind of reminiscent for me um, with, you know, no longer Independence Day, but in his Dependence Day. And so uh, I've been coming to Zion since 2018. I met my wife in uh, 18, got married in 19, had a child, Michael Athanasius Allen. He's about to be one year old. And I also teach at times and do some classes here at Zion. Uh, right now, I'm doing a Gospel of Mark class. We're about seven chapters in. Tonight's going to be chapter seven. So, yeah, that's a little bit about what I do here. So, let's first consider what is Bible literacy? How would you define Bible literacy? So, the first thing that comes to my mind, George, is, is this idea of understanding and competency when it comes to all things Bible. And so that means uh, recognizing stories, recognizing the different uh, general motifs that are inside the Bible. It means recognizing the, the intent of what the author and what who God is in trying to convey this, uh, this book that is carried over 1,400 years with several different authors. And so I think that's big, you know, 10,000 foot view? I don't, what, what would you think? Yeah, yeah that, that's the big picture. Um, when, we, when we talk about literacy, we're talking about reading for understanding. Mm -hmm. And to read for understanding, we're trying to ascertain what is God trying to teach us through what his word says. Yeah. So, and that's different if you're reading the stories from the Old Testament as it is when you're reading the prophets, as it is when you're reading the letters in the New Testament. So knowing what you're reading and why it matters and what God is trying to do to teach us. Because uh, the, the thing that lots of Christians struggle with is, can I just open up the Bible and do what it says and the answer sometimes is, no, please do not just open up the Bible and do what it says. You have to know what is being taught by what has been said. And that requires some level of sophistication, uh, not the kind of sophistication that you need to go to school to get, because the, the Bible was written to be understood by the peasants of the ages. So we're not saying that there's some sort of secret mystery but there are some, some rules in place, some principles that have held firm over the years on how we interpret the scripture and therefore what we can learn about God through them. Yeah, I think there's, there's something to be said of what observations can be made, just the who and the what, what's going on and the where, right? Understanding yeah. the context of it. And then there's this separate thing called interpretation, the why, why is, how is he doing that? And then, and then apart from those two things, there's the so what, the application, 
right? right? And so we can have an interpretation, but that doesn't mean that that carries over to the application, right? We have right. to we have to then okay, we have interpreted this section. Does this apply to our lives whatsoever? And if it does, what does it look like when we do apply it? You know, right? Because we can read and we can we can understand what we're reading. In the same way that I can understand Lord of the Flies or Moby Dick or the Scarlet Letter, but but then what we do with that, how we walk out those principles, is in part dependent on the context of the thing that we're reading. Yeah. Uh, so that that stuff matters. How we how we consider what God is trying to say to us in part depends on what we understand the Scripture to be. And I would, you know. In, in terms of being able to break this down into easier component, bite-sized understandings, we have we have the actual words themselves, right? We have mm-hmm. rules of grammar, we have the syntax, we have you know the Greek or the Hebrew language, depending on which testament you're reading, yep. and then you have the actual cognitive environment of the biblical writer. You have you have in Moses's time the the time period of the Bronze Age. You have um, you know the exile in Babylonia. Just different types of religions, a, a religious context, a a worldview difference of context, and then you have the New Testament, the first temple, uh, or excuse me, the second temple literature being at work here, and all these different genres uh, are shaped by this environment that they're a part of. And so we have to be able to recognize that there's this cognitive environment as well as just overall grammatical rules. So why? Let's go there. Why? Uh, Why does it matter? Why is it important for us to to talk about Bible literacy? Uh, Why do we care so much about those things? What what effect does it have on the average person in a pew listening to a podcast, etc.? Why do we care? So I think the reason we care is because we want to make sure that we, first of all, honor God and his word. And so the two things that are breathed out right in this entire universe are human beings and scripture itself. And so we should do our best to honor what God has breathed into and so we're honoring one another and we're honoring scripture itself. And so that's the first thing. Our values are pointing in that direction. Another thing, too, is if we want to be disciples of who Jesus calls us to be, it means following him in spirit and truth. And part of that following means to be um, zealous about what we care about. And we care about God's word. We care about Jesus written in God's word. And so when we do that, we're not doing this Bible study to get a spiritual buzz. We're doing it so that way we can honor him, love him, and love one another. Because when we honor what is in Scripture, it ends up translating as us loving God and us loving one another. Right. I mean, the Scripture does say, all Scripture is God-breathed. Theopneustos is God-breathed and is profitable for reproof, rebuke, doctrine, training, and righteousness. Why? That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. The the scripture gives us everything we need for life and godliness. 
but you got to go figure out what that is. Yeah. You can't just uh, put the Bible close to your heart and by diffusion or osmosis, right. you just magically mature in God. There, there has to be some process by which Holy Spirit puts the word into your heart with understanding. So, so playing, playing, uh, you know, the 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 other side. Let's say, you know, hey, George, I have my Bible. I have me, you know, the Holy Spirit. Like, wh why do I need to even, you know, read anyone else? Why do I even need to listen to anyone else? Oh, why can't I just yeah be on my own? Right. I got the Holy Spirit, right? You could. You 100% could. I think it makes the maturing process a lot slower because then there aren't voices with wisdom speaking to you. Could you? A hundred percent. I could go to the batting cage every day and swing the bat and little by little, slowly, I'd hit a few more balls. But if I had some people who were skilled at the, the skill who could say, you know, what you're doing here, that's good. Can I recommend you straighten out that swing? Then I'm able to hit a little bit more frequently. I'm able to put a little more behind it. I have the wisdom of others coming alongside. So I'm not a fan of the so-called Lone Ranger Christianity, where people are like, I don't need anybody. I don't, and I don't know why they speak that way. I don't need anybody to, to come alongside. I got this. I'm all right. I'm by myself. I'm good. You could, uh, but it's... I. I think the New Testament pattern is clear that that is not what is intended for any person. We could. We shouldn't. Yeah. I'm reminded there's this section in Scripture where it talks about the eunuch reading Isaiah yeah. by himself. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit translates, I think it's Philip, right? Yeah. Translates Philip, I believe, to be right there next to him to to help him interpret what's going on and he's anxious for that right, right? i think it's acts 8 but i'm not positive on that yeah and so i to me it just it it feels like it's not only a description of what what the bible uh, has described throughout history of god uses people to bring about his purposes but also through his word and and in particularly helping to understand his word he likes to use people and so I, I i like to say that especially when anyone's like being like oh i can just me my holy bible and holy spirit kind of thing the the their own kind of makeshift own trinity unfortunately if i could use that uh phrase in the wrong context here. well yeah but it you know it's it's something that i that i think is oftentimes we decide for ourselves that that is the best route because oftentimes we don't there's almost this this fear at times to reach out for that time what why do you think there's that fear in in reaching out for help and understanding god's word well we are americans so we're ruggedly individual mm -hmm. uh, it's it's hard for us to reach out for help on a variety of things uh there's also a lot of people who may not want to go back to school. Uh, their experiences in school may not have been the best, and they don't want to go to a class 
They, they just want to know their, they want to know God better. And if I have the Holy Spirit inside of me, the living God himself in my soul, in my spirit, why would I not just rely on that? Why do I need uh, other people around? Now, mostly when people get together in small group Bible studies, what they really want is help with, uh, it has been my experience, what they really want help with is how do I walk this out? Sure, I've got my Bible and I've got all my study Bible notes and I've got my commentaries that I found online or whatever, but how do I really walk that out? And I maintain that you can't walk out what you don't really understand. Mm -hmm. So what you really want is a group of people together with you to help you understand what the scripture says so that then you have a common understanding of what God is saying so that you can walk that out together. Uh, people get nervous for a lot of reasons. Uh, I am always reluctant to to want to put myself out there as maybe I'm not the best at this thing. Mm. It's a thing for there are areas of my life where I don't want to ask for help because I don't want anybody to know that I can't really do that thing as well as maybe I should or maybe I think other people think that I should. Yeah. Same for you? I think so. I mean, I, I think there's part of me that realizes that I have different responsibilities in my life right now that doesn't allow me the same sort of diligence and zeal that I can have for researching the scriptures like I want to, right? I'm a father, I'm a husband, yeah. I have my job, yeah. I work, right? And so there are people, though, that dedicate their entire lives and spending their entire lives on researching this. And I'm not telling them that they're the end-all, be-all, but I don't think that we should just cavalierly say that they're not worth our time and just, you know, we could just do it ourselves, Lone Ranger style. Yeah. Can I ask you, so, yeah. so we've been talking about how, how, how we, we, we look at scripture. How often do you read your Bible? Um, haha. So, so I was in a church for a long time that firmly believed that a chapter a day keeps the devil away. Uh, it's not a, a bad idea. Uh, you should read your Bible as often as you feel you need to connect with the heart of God. Uh, so if that's, uh, uh, what's it, the morning and evening devotions method uh, that some people use, great. If that's the, the quiet time with God that was very, very popular in the 90s, having quiet time with God, devotions in the early morning or the late evening, that's great. Different people find different times to connect with God. I would certainly not want to go too long without connecting with the heart of God in the same way that I would not want to go too long without connecting with my spouse or my kids. Uh, so generally speaking, the, the overarching wisdom says at least once a day, uh, at least five days a week, 
and in a way that spends substantive time. Uh, and for some people, substantive time is I can steal away for 20 minutes in the morning before the kids get up. Uh, and some people are like, I can listen uh, to, to the Bible on my, my device in my car while I'm driving and have prayer time with God while I listen to his word. Uh, there's a variety of ways to do it. But generally, I think you're shooting for daily if you can. Yeah, I, I, not that you gave me a, a reciprocal question, but I'm going to answer the question too. So I, I think there, there's something to be said of, of what's going to be the most impactful for you. Yeah. Right? So can you live off of one, one slice of cake a week? Yes. Or, okay, or a daily piece of bread? Yeah. So, and, and what's more substantive, right? And so I'm not prescribing per se um, necessarily a legalistic every daily thing. Right. But I'm just imagining that what's going to be the most impactful for you, what's going to yeah. be the most in terms of retaining that sort of thing is going to be daily for at least very much up, up front when you're walking in your walk with Christ. You know, it's going to be a daily thing. It's hard to talk about this question and not put a legalism on someone. Sure. It's hard to, to answer that question in a way that doesn't heap condemnation upon somebody, which is why it's a very dicey question uh, to consider, though everybody does. Everybody considers the question. Um, I land in a, in a place that says, as often as you feel you need to, to connect with the heart of God. And Lots of people watching, listening, whatever, are going to say to themselves, but I could do more. And that's always true, unless you're constantly in the scripture. It's always true that you could spend more time. Uh, but there are other realities in play where, hey, maybe I'm able to give God this, and I don't want any person to think that God is somehow like, where the heck you been? Because I don't think God does that. I think whenever we come to the Lord, he is glad to have us. And then, then the response of our heart is, how can I be with you more, God? What are ways that I can be with you more fully? Yeah, there was, especially in the early church, at least some of the things that I've read, and they use scripture reading as an integral part of when they gathered. Yeah. And so, so few churches I think do that now but it's so important to have that type of thing and I think there's a blessing associated with it in and I don't mean this like woo-woo kind of blessing I just mean like hearing God's word has a certain pleasurable experience associated with it and so when we are able to do that there is uh, the ability to have a, an associating experience where we can have a a fuller, deeper understanding of who God is. Can I ask you, sure. so we asked how often we should read. Yeah. So what translation do you read? Ah, for a long, long time it was New King James. Uh, the last few years it's been the NIV, the New International Version, um, mostly because I read the TNIV that has become the NIV because they redid it about 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh, 
lots of nice people read the ESV. Uh, they, they do. They're nice people. Love them a lot. Uh, there are other translations out there, but those are the ones that I, I read, that I have on speed dial. So this is kind of an unspoken uh, thing in realizing about Bible translations, is that they are made differently, yeah. right? Yeah. And so some, like it's on a spectrum, some are very literal, wooden, word-for-word trying a thing. And that's then a on, New King James. Right, that's a New King James, the NASB, yep. uh, the ESV. Uh, ESV is word for word. I have it, not studied it, it. It's so it's 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 on that side. Okay. Um, e N E T the okay. New English translation. Yep. That's yep. on the word for word side. Yep. And then on the other side, that's the side that's that's thought for thought. So yep. it's going to be phrase for phrase. Right. Yep. It's going to be more kind of you know N L T the message. N I V is on NIV, that way. Sure. Sure. Um, uh, CSB, I think, is uh, in there, although it might be more in the middle than, than others. But or uh, Amplified would be there. Sure. So, so I guess I would say, so if I want to study God's Word, yeah. which translation do I use? Yes. Uh, uh, so Explain the what fact, you mean. So the fact that things are on, uh, so some of it is a binary word for word versus thought for thought. So that part is, is somewhat binary, but it really is more of a spectrum because even though the things that are, the translations that are word for word still have to convey some thoughts and they do. And the, the folks who are thought for thought still have to translate words and they do. So I don't care what people read so long as they know what they're reading. So, and by that I mean the following. There are word-for-word -word translations like the New King James, and when you read the word-for-word -word translation, you have to know enough about the context so that you can interpret the words that are said. Okay. When you read a thought-for-thought -thought or phrase-for-phrase, then you have to recognize that somebody else is making decisions for you. Mm. Uh, so it doesn't matter what you read. It really does not. Uh, I don't land on one side or another with what's better or worse. I don't think there's a better or worse. But you have to know what you're reading. You have to know that somebody else made decisions for you or somebody else didn't make decisions for you and therefore, you have to you have to know. So um, there are instances where an author will use a euphemism, and if if your word for word, they just translate the euphemism. They translate the words, and then you have to know what was really meant by that. Uh, whereas in a phrase for phrase, they made the call for you. And then you've got to know that that was done behind the scenes. So, I guess can I can I give my two cents? Yes. All right. So, so every both the New Testament and the Old Testament they have uh, what we call original languages underpinning yep. the, what we have is English translation. So, Old Testament's Hebrew, unless you're looking at the Septuagint, which is uh, Greek. The Septuagint there? is the Greek translation of the, the Hebrew Old, Old Testament. Correct. And then the New Testament is Koine Greek. Yes. Right? So I would say if you know the original languages, 
bless you if you do. But if you don't, you know, if you don't, I would say use multiple translations when you go to study God's Word. So when you go to study, not necessarily for devotional reading, no, no, but no. when you go to study. I would say if you're going to just read, just for the sake of reading, read the most readable ver- translation for yourself. There it is. So like, so if you want to, like, oftentimes people uh, who have English as a second language, the NLT tends to be a very good translation to to step into because sure. it's worded in such a way that helps support that, sure. right? The sure. NIV tends to be the easiest from a, I believe it's a fifth grade reading level yep. that people right. can take advantage of in terms of reading. So I guess, so I'm, I'm going to qualify. If you can read the original language, deal with those when you study, yeah. okay? But if you can't, if you want to study, read multiple translations. Sure. And then if you just want to read, well, then just read ones that's going to be the easiest flow in terms of tra- Sure. Information. And I will qualify, there is a difference between when I read just because I want to get the word inside of me. I'm just having mm. quiet time with God. I want to read some of his word. I want to pray yeah. a little bit. I want to start my day well. There's a difference between that and I really need to know what God says about a particular topic or a particular chapter. I really want to go deep. That's a study that's deeper than I just want to spend some time with God in the morning. Those two are not the same thing. Both of them are parts of being literate with the scripture. Both of them are important for people, uh, but I'm not bringing my my 12 concordances and my 16 commentaries into my morning. I just want to be with Jesus time. Right. Uh, That's a different thing. Right. Thanks for listening, and I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Bible Literacy is a production of Zion Fellowship, a life-giving, loving church in Canandaigua, New York. For more information, please visit www.zionfellowship.net today.